the Isle of Man general election 2021 coverage on Manx Radio. We're live tonight at Ginger Hall for Aaron Michael. Aaron Michael, the constituency, is the far north of the Isle of Man. It stretches along part of the west coast, includes Andres, Balaf, Bride, Jerby, Lazare, and Michael, and of course tonight, Sulby. We're actually in River Meadowland. And tonight, the candidates will be with us. Tim Baker, Sosten Basugu, Alfred Cannon, Tim Johnston, Duncan Livingston, Paul Weatherall, and Madeline Westall. Philip Corgill has chosen not to participate tonight. So, let's go first of all to the candidates. I want to go to Tim Johnston. First of all, Tim Johnston, why do you want to be MHK for Aaron Michael? Lived in the uh, constituency for 25 years, Sandy. Um, I think it's very important. As, as a farm, I'm a farmer as well, and I'm uh, president of the National Farmers Union. I think one of the great advantages of our system of having independent, mainly independent MHKs is to make sure that all sectors are covered, and I want to make sure that, that uh, food and farming and issues that affect rural, rural, the rural economy are, are, are covered. Duncan Livingston. Uh, yes, I've decided to stand because I felt a sense of dismay and frustration at some of the lack of common sense ideas that the civil service seem to impose on us. Things like just not fixing the roads. I think I can help and that's why I'm standing. Paul Weatherall. Well, I keep moaning and groaning about what goes on in government. I have lots of ideas myself about uh, how it might be improved, so I thought I'd put my money where my mouth is. Alfred Cannon. I came into politics to make a difference, Andy. Ten years ago when I came in, there was a financial crisis going on. The island was facing a period of considerable austerity. Uh, unemployment was increasing and, and heading up to sort of modern-day highs. Ten years later on, we've restored a semblance of normality and uh, credibility to our uh, finances. We've got the lowest rates of uh, unemployment for 20 years. Uh, and our economy has grown uh, significantly over the last five years. There are a number of challenges ahead and I want to continue making a difference. Madeline Westall. I've decided to stand because I want to raise awareness of the challenges that we face in the north. I feel that sometimes we're forgotten about and in particular uh, challenges about our housing and our young people, uh, about uh, refurbishment of local government housing, um, other, other uh, issues uh, such as the economy and bringing jobs to the area. Okay, and thank you. Tim Baker. Yeah, five years ago I was a newcomer, had 25 years of business experience. I've now had five years in where I've shown what I can do and that I can operate in the political environment. I've got a track record where I've taken on the tough challenges and there's so much more to be done. And I think it needs people who are prepared to step up, take some, take some risks and make things happen. Sosten Basugu. Uh, initially, I wanted to run in Africa as uh, um, a candidate for president, but I find that uh, because I'm established here and my family is here, I've decided uh, to run for Tinwall instead. So I want to bring a new approach to political representation in the Isle of Man to help every single uh, voter out there. Okay, let's go to the candidates now, just to uh, see what uh, they represent and what they br want to bring to. Let's talk about the north of the Isle of Man. Uh, first of all, Tim Johnston, obviously um, a farmer, yep. embedded in the farming community. How's the agricultural sector faring at the moment? Um, challenging. Um, I think it has been for many years. I think when, when you're in an industry that basically you, you're, you're, what you sell is, uh, is sort of... Uh, 
below the cost of production generally, it's, a, it's, it's always going to be a challenge. Um, I think um, looking ahead, um, COVID obviously has been, been a big issue. We're very concerned about what effects that would have on our markets. Um, in some ways, actually, it's strengthened things. In the, in the last 12 months, we've, we have seen better prices for, for, for red meat, beef and lamb uh, and dairy. But always the challenges of farming on a, on a small island, um, high input costs, um, some of the most expensive freight costs in the world to deal with, getting things on and off the island, um, small fields. The, these are all challenges that, that Manx farmers have, have to do to challenge with and actually do taking that into account uh, an amazing job. Uh, Madeline Westall, obviously you know a lot about teaching, you know, know a lot about uh, young people. Um, how do you think, a lot last night we talked in uh, Arbury Castle Town and Maloo, talking about bullying in school and the inability to suspend children. What's the atmosphere like in school? I can't honestly comment on having a lot of uh, experience of bullying in schools and neither about uh, whether students are suspended. I do feel, however, that the students have lost an awful lot of learning and we should value each and every one of our children and ensure that not one of them is left behind because of COVID. And that means that we need to have a programme which gives that extra help uh, to all the children, uh, whatever they may have missed. Um, in the north here, we have very poor connectivity for ultra-fast broadband. It's not due to reach us until nearly 2025. And that means it's been very difficult for some children to stay up with their lessons. Um, so that's my, that's my recent take. What would you do if you were in Keys? How would you address the idea of regional uh, and rural connectivity? Um, we, need to get, we need to get broadband into every secondary school child's house, irrespective of parental income. Because today's, today it's technology, today it's global. It's giving them a global perspective and it's allowing them to flourish and achieve their full potential. Uh, our students today can't do that if they don't have access. Tim Weatherall, as far as education goes, how is education in the north of the Isle of Man in this, in this region? I think the, uh, the primary schools do a great job for the people living in our villages. Uh, I'd like to see them supported in the future and uh, sustainable. And uh, our, most of our secondary school pupils go to either Ramsey Grammar School or QE2 from Kirk Michael area particularly um, and uh, I think we, we need to strengthen the college especially to allow more uh, facilities for people to retrain uh, and gain apprenticeships in uh, green technology okay. that we'll all be requiring over the next five to ten years. Duncan Livingston, uh, tell us about that road scheme. Did you get that road scheme changed? Uh, I did, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, there was going to be uh, 10 speed bumps on the main road through Kirkmichael, uh, which I thought was complete overkill. It wasn't what the people of Kirkmichael wanted. Uh, they wanted the pavements fixing. Mm -hmm. Instead, we've got a scheme which is better than it was, but is still far more than I thought was required. Uh, obviously, the new crossing has been uh, the subject of much debate. Um, yeah, I, I just think we need to fix the potholes, make things fit for purpose. And also, you come from, uh, you were a policeman for how long? Uh, I did 31 and a half years in the police. Uh, in the road unit as well? Uh, for 20 years, I was a collision investigator. Yeah, okay. and, and I was also the advanced 
driving instructor. What do you think of the speed limit through Kirk Michael now? Um, 30, I think, is acceptable and is reasonable. Uh, there is an issue I know sometimes with every speed limit that they're not enforced as much as they should be. And that's not a, any sort of reflection on the police. There's 168 hours in a week, even if they worked on every single speed limit for an hour a day, we've still got an awful lot of time where speed limits are not enforced. Alfred Cannon? Well, Kurt Michael needed regeneration work and it's got regeneration work. Uh, those pavements are being done at the moment. They're being widened in certain areas. The school has got a new crossing going in into it. Uh, we're looking at enhancing road safety, but we're also looking at methods to try and slow the traffic down through, through Kurt Michaels. This is positive news um, for Kurt Michael. Okay, Tim Baker. Yeah. Well, this is, your, this is your bag. Absolutely. And five years ago, a promise was made to the people of Kurt Michael that a scheme would be done. We're now doing it. Uh, clearly, you can't keep everybody happy all the time. The reference that uh, Duncan Livingston's made, therefore, to the speed bumps was one of the options that was put forward. There was an extensive period of uh, of engagement and consultation where all the potential options were put on the table and the final scheme reflected the, uh, the best mix of, of uh, the feedback that was, that was received. It won't keep everybody happy, but it's positive and it's getting things done. Okay, Sosten? Yes, I think it's important because uh, in the campaign trail I've come across a lot of uh, uh, constituents mentioning the fact that a lot of people are not respecting the speed limit and uh, it's very dangerous uh, people crossing the road. So I would advise that uh, we look at it very carefully and uh, that the authority uh, intervene in order to help the constituents. Uh, tell me how you think uh, the Isle of Man should address climate change. Uh, I think climate change is a big topic, uh, environmentally speaking, and um, we should look at uh, different priorities. We have to look at air pollution. We also look at the water, the pollution of the water. Uh, I'm mentioning the air pollution, I will say that uh, because we have a lot of cars on the roads, um, we should uh, make sure that we don't um, uh, I think damage the, the, the fact that people want to move towards uh, clean, clean air, but in the fact uh, that the projects that are being enacted by the government are contrary, um, I think making, making, making the, the constituents very uh, upset because they are, they are taking the money out of the people. You want trains on the Isle of Man. You want trains, don't you? You want a rail system. Yeah, it's important because I want what we call an integrated uh, transportation system here on the Isle of Man. That means that will help reduce uh, our carbon print. Uh, in the Isle of Man, and also have uh, fewer cars uh, in, on the roads, and use the buses as well as, as the train. Is this new trains, new lines? Uh, normally, we used to have in the past uh, some train working even towards Kirk Michael mm. by the fire station. If you can try to uh, think about all those schemes before, I can certainly uh, study that scheme and come up with an answer to uh, that will satisfy everybody. Madeline Westall, how do we how do we address climate change then? I think we've got to set firm targets, uh, which the government doesn't, hasn't done so far, and make all efforts to meet those targets. In particular, um, looking at removing uh, diesel and petrol cars uh, gradually uh, from our roads, perhaps just by not allowing the registration of new petrol or diesel cars um, and incentivising people to switch to electric or hydrogen vehicles. Or weather all? 
Yeah, I think uh, government uh, has to help people adjust to climate change, but government doesn't have to do everything. We've got to bring in the private sector to, to work with us. And everyone has a responsibility for um, tackling climate change. Has this uh, come up on the doorstep? Pardon? Has this come up on the doorstep? Yeah, yeah, it comes up on the doorstep. It's not the biggest priority of people on the doorstep. I think uh, first affordable housing is the biggest priority that's been brought up. We'll come to that, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> but on climate change, I agree with Madeleine that we, sh we need to set targets. I think the government needs to work with the UK government and um, commission a, a second interconnector for electricity. I think the um, proposed scheme for grants to assist assist people in converting uh, their homes to uh, away from fossil fuels that's coming in in October isn't strong enough. So and I think we need to review that and, and bring in a loan scheme as well as a grant scheme. Okay, Duncan Livingston? Uh, I think that the government needs to lead by example. They did a fabulous <coughs> job in St. John's with the building there, which is very environmentally friendly. And yet at the moment, we've got a new test centre getting built and there's no ground source heat pumps in there, there's no solar panels in there, there's nothing which is recognised as being environmentally friendly being put into the new test centre. Um, are you aware of any consultation when it, was being, when it was being planned? I'm not aware of any. I don't know what exactly has gone on with that. Uh, Tim Johnson? What I'm concerned about is a sort of anti-car that's sort of coming into government now. We're living in a rural mm. constituency like Aaron Michael, a car, a car is a lifeline uh, for a lot of people, small businesses as well, very important. Doesn't matter how good and it's not great public transport is. And great ideas about rail, huge costs. It's, let's get, let's not get into cuckoo land. Let's stick to reality. People need transport in the, in the north of the island to move yeah. around. And what I don't want through this scheme and through the changes is for for car drivers to be demonised. Um, and that that does concern me. <coughs> it's all very well talking about electric cars. They're incredibly expensive. So if you can afford it, fine. Um, but but the, the irony at the moment is they're they're using fossil fuel powered electricity to to charge them up and they're, they're not paying any road tax. What's going to happen to combines and tractors? What will they run on? Good question. I mean, there's absolutely no way that uh, battery power can be used in situations like that. Obviously, what we're looking at, what, what we're hoping for is developments, for example, within hydrogen and those sort of uh, fuels, potentially using existing um, infrastructure, existing sort of combustion engines. But these are the big issues that we have to, have to think about because what we also got to be careful of is, is the cost involved. And that's one of the, the, the other big issues of all of this. It's right that the Isle of Man sets its uh, targets. And we ha you know, there is a, the idea that there are targets. There is a climate bill in place. This idea that the, the government isn't making plans. There are plans there. The key thing is that we have a, a fair transition. We're taking everybody with us on that journey because there's a huge amount of cost involved in all of this. And that's my concern. It's just going to put a huge amount of pressure on business and taxpayers. Jim Baker. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important journey. The, uh, the destination of net zero by 2050 is being set. Uh, it's really important that we take a very considered approach to what, to what we're doing. There's already processes uh, underway in government. All the key drivers of our carbon emissions are, are being evaluated and plans being developed around the, the buildings, around transport and around our uh, power generation. These are fundamental issues. If we get them wrong, we've got potentially will undermine the We cannot afford to be back in Betamax in, in, in a VHS uh, world, and okay. um, we, we've only got one chance to get this. Alfred Cannon. I think, I think you know, there's a number of uh, views, views around the climate change. I think, first of all, as an island, we need to recognise that this is now an international pro 
programme and that we need to be with it and we need to be at the forefront of it, otherwise we will fall behind. Secondly, we also need to recognise it brings with it a number of opportunities, opportunities for better housing, potential economic opportunities, opportunities for a better, cleaner environment. There's a couple of things that we really do need to think about. First of all is the plan, and we need to make sure that we do have a proper roadmap and plan towards leading us to, towards net zero and something that the public can understand where the money is being spent and what the benefits are to society from spending that money. We need to make sure that that plan is properly costed uh, and transparently so, so that it does not impact adversely on household budgets. It's pointless getting to the end of this road only to find that the cost of energy supply is so high that no one wants to stay on yeah. the island. And also we want to be very careful, uh, and this means getting the right advice and the right people on, on the Climate Change Transformation Board, that we don't end up chasing shadows uh, and end up spending millions of pounds only to find we're not getting to the end benefit or that technology has moved on so quickly that, that we're already behind. Well, we have off offshore or onshore wind power? Well, I think that's one of the critical things, working out what the, renew what the renewable energy supply will be. There's obviously a, a, an, an opportunity here for the island to increase its energy security. There may be an opportunity here, Andy, for our supply to be onshore uh, and for us to potentially look at offshore opportunities to export electricity to offset some of the costs that might be incurred from any onshore wind, wind farms. So, but ultimately, Andy, this is the critical point. The cost is potentially substantial. We need to work that out carefully. We need to work particularly with the private sector and we need to make sure that the end outcome when it comes to utility bills uh, is appropriate and it's right for our, for our island. We're live at the Ginger Hall in Sulby tonight for Aaron Michael 2021 general election. It's three weeks today. In three weeks today, Vivian, will, the, will, the, uh, will they be closed? Will these polls be closed? It won't, won't be closed, will they? 10 o'clock, isn't Eight it? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock, that's it. So, well, everybody's going to be uh, sweating in three weeks' time and 45 minutes. We're live tonight. So, Ginger Hall, Sosten uh, Basuku, Tim Baker, Alfred Cannon, uh, Tim Johnson, Duncan Livingston, Paul Weatherall, Madeline Westall. Uh, Philip Corkill is a con uh, candidate, but he's chosen not to participate tonight. Um, I want to go back to uh, uh, Mr. Cannon because affordable housing time and time again, runs through everything that people want to know about. Uh, our young people getting onto the property ladder, the dispiriting nature of private landlords sucking the life out and getting returns uh, from the housing that they rent out. What do you think, I mean, how big is this an issue for people around the Isle of Man? Well, it has come into a major, major focus post-COVID, if that's the right word, post the immediate COVID uh, emergency, the housing market has, has somewhat exploded. Let me take you back five years, uh, Andy. We had a census which demonstrated that 500 people had left the island. Our house prices were stagnating. There were for sale signs all over the island. Fast forward four years, we've got 1,250 more, uh, more economically active people paying income tax. We've got 600 more businesses paying ITIP and national insurance. We've driven the economy forward with the right balance of uh, financial measures in the budgets and we have somewhat of a success story on our hands but now we have created this housing bubble and it is a real problem. The next government is going to have to deal with this as a matter of urgency. There are a number of uh, policies that we could bring in and look at whether we start to restrict the number of house purchases or the type of uh, uh, individuals who okay. can make house purchases, whether we look at freeing up government land okay. to do some more affordable building. There's lots of policies that can be Jolly brought good. in. All right, Madeline Westall. I think there's a real need for a capital 
development program for more local authority housing uh, so that for uh, single people, for young families and for older people who wish to, um, who wish to downsize, uh, they can rent or rent to buy local authority houses. And that would take the heat out of the private rental market, which is just um, appalling. Do you it's think there's awful. a sense of grievance with young people not being able to get on the ladder, with reaching for something that they simply can't get to? Um, I think grievance is one word. I think we're also seeing the impacts of it uh, in our population dynamics in that we have so few people now returning to the island uh, in the 20 to 29 and 30 age bracket. And those that do remain here are not having any children. Our, our birth rate has declined by 35%. And that is testament to the situation with the housing market. It is totally unsustainable. Tim Baker. Yeah, suitable, uh, affordable and accessible housing is fundamental for the island's economic future, both to keep our young people on the island and to attract the key workers that we need for our education, health and uh, police services in particular. Uh, my first suggestion would be that uh, we need to create a Minister for Housing because there isn't one at the moment. It's fragmented. As DOI Minister, I'm responsible for social housing, but housing generally has no single focal point. There's nobody looking at policy. Is coming up on the doorstep for you? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a big issue. I mean, everybody wants somewhere decent to live and um, to to advance in their life aspirations they need a suitable home whether it's rented or or purchased and at the moment we've got northwest wage levels and southeast house prices in the it doesn't compute so Stan? yeah uh, there are so many young people living in parental homes at the moment and i think that's it's not acceptable with uh, the of man that rich and uh, not being able to support the younger generation uh, is um, it's appalling. So what I would suggest that the government step in, uh, even some investors, to build uh, some one, two bedrooms flat or apartments, uh, housing stock, so that uh, our young people can live and, and give the parents some uh, uh, breathing space as well because they, they want to uh, have that time and also young people want to develop and have a family of their own. Okay. Uh, Tim Johnson. Major issue, probably the biggest issue I've, I've, I've come across on the doorstep. A lot of people are probably worried about their kids, their grandkids, wanting to come back to the island. You know, the bigger picture is housing is part of the big picture of the future plan for the island and our economy. We don't have the young people here. We can't attract them here. We've got serious problems for, for the future. Government's got to tackle, for example, the power that the, the big developers have got on the island. They've just, they've just got carte blanche to do what they want and they and they just and they just do the absolute minimum requirement of, of affordable homes in, in these new projects I think that's a real issue government do, just do not stand up to uh, to these large developers and I think that's a, a real problem Duncan Livingston yes it's definitely I moving across and we are losing talent which we need on the island if the island is going to continue to flourish and grow. Uh, so if you were an MHK, if you become an MHK, is that something that you'd see as a priority? Yes, absolutely. I would like to see some form of residency act uh, and what I, my, I've suggested a few times is I think for any uh, new greenfield developments we should look at legislating rent caps and price caps on the price of new houses. Paul Weatherall? 
Yeah, five years ago, the um, first time bias scheme was inadequate, and now it's a joke. And uh, there are proposals to improve it, and I think the next administration need to fully scrutinize what those proposals are and make sure they are ad adequate for the future. I mean, you but, represent Liberal, liberal Vannin. Mm -hmm. uh, is Liberal Vannin for more housing, sustained housing? More sustained housing for both uh, purchase and rent. Uh, and, but on the Andreas Airfield area, Derby, um, but um, looking at from 30, 40 to even in some instances 80 or 90 percent more expensive than they were previously and these sorts of elements have to be borne into consideration. Okay, I need to move on. Just, by the way, can I just get, ask everyone in the room, would you please turn your mobile phone off? Somebody's mobile phone is uh, playing up with our system at the moment and if you're listening at home, uh, if, if all they can, just check your mobile phones because somebody's got a particularly strong mobile phone signal that's uh, interfering with us. Uh, it's Could I just come in there though, please, Andy? I think government's been talking about having a housing strategy for the island for decades and we need to actually get to grips with that and the next administration needs to get a housing strategy that everyone can focus on with targets um, uh, and move forward. I think, I think, Andy, we also need to find out from the census how many of the um, units, houses and flats and apartments are empty uh, because we may be building uh, homes which <coughs> don't actually have anybody in them. They're just assets to be sold well, in three or five years' time. Well, there are some houses in, uh, in this constituency that are only, only, only occupied for the minimum, minimum number of uh, weeks per year. Mm -hmm. What would you do about those? Um, potentially, you can take them back into ownership. Potentially, More tax? It's one way of going about it. But the other thing is, is to look at the reasons why our young people don't want, to, want, don't want to return to the island when they've finished university. And that is very much because they're looking for other things in, at that time in their lives. If we want to attract our key workers back to the island, whether they're teachers or nurses, doctors, GPs, then we have to give them an assured home when they arrive here. And not just for one year. We have to be able to say, if you bring your family here and take up this uh, key role, there will be a home for you. You can rent it to start with, you can rent it and then buy it. Okay. 
but there has to be affordable housing for key workers. Right, it's a couple of minutes before we open things up to uh, the audience here in the Ginger Hall. So I just want to go very quickly, 30 seconds to each, uh, each uh, candidate. Um, and I want to talk about crime. I'm going to start with the ex-policeman, uh, Duncan Livingston. Um, how is um, crime in the north of the Isle of Man? I, I think um, if you go to any of the commissioners' meetings, crime is relatively low. The probably overriding one which stands out is people are concerned about drugs. Um, if you go to a commissioners' meeting, the things that people seem to be concerned about are dog poo and speeding. If that's what people are concerned about, that speaks to the quality of life being good. And Antisocial behaviour? Yes, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as it is in the the bigger areas. I know one can have had a particularly bad problem with the antisocial okay. behaviour. Tim Johnson? I would like to see um, the, uh, the shift changes at the, uh, at the prison, that the, the, the prison officers slow down a bit on the way home. Um, I think, uh, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of concern. And it's, you know, it's no joke. I mean, the, the speed that we're seeing on vehicles on, on the roads in the north of the island, and, and people will tell you it's been markedly changed since that. Since the no agricultural opening. crime. But uh, we don't see a great deal of that. I mean, that because is a big issue in other places. Oh, it's absolutely. a blight in England, obviously, yeah. with, with vehicles no. being stolen and cattle being rustled. But uh, completely nothing on the Isle of Man? Very little indeed of that. Thankfully. Paul Weatherall. Well, I think the issue there with um, the rustling that goes on in parts of rural England is uh, the difficulty people would have is getting the animals yes. off the island if they did. Notice it on the Ben McCree. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yeah. I think uh, there's crime, obviously, in a rural area with sheep worrying, which uh, it obviously affects farmers and uh, everyone else. Okay, Alfred Cannon. I mean, cr crime, active sort of... Visible crime levels are thankfully very, very low. But when you speak to the, to the police, there is a lot of sort of underground drugs problem uh, across the island, really. So you cannot be complacent. In 2018, we did actually give £2 million more to the police to increase the community uh, policing capacity. I'd like to see a more visible presence uh, up in the north. That will be one of the things that I'll be looking to, to achieve if I get back in. Madeline Westall. Um, I would like to see a combined effort on mental health issues especially for those that lead on then to crime, whether it's uh, some form of uh, uh, social abuse or, uh, occurring. And that needs to be the mental health team with the GPs and with the police all working together, which I believe is going to happen in the north. Tim Baker. Yeah, the big issue clearly is drugs coming from across the county lines. Uh, we need to be strong at our borders. Uh, the police need to be very much on top of that. In terms of locally, it's about neighbourhood policing and we, we just need more police. The, the police are hugely overstretched. There are not enough policemen and there needs to be more investment in that. Sosten? To my knowledge, the crime rate is, is low as for the rest of the island, but we must continue to maintain a zero tolerance policy. I just wanted to show uh, uh, Aaron Michael off to the rest of the island because they'll be, uh, they'll be very jealous in, uh, in other parts of the Isle of Man. Right, let's get some questions from the audience then. Who have we got? Uh, uh, ben. Uh, and uh, your name, sir, is? Julian Tia. Julian, what's uh, your question? The Sir Parish Commissioner. My question is, two of these gentlemen are ladies and lady is going to be elected to represent the constituency of Aaron Michael. It's by far the biggest constituency in the Isle of Man in terms of area, and it has the biggest coastline. Coastal erosion is a problem. Now, to do something about it, 
I don't think the answer is in major civil engineering works. I think the answer to this problem is environmental. You want people qualified in environmental issues to see about resetting um, grass and scrub or whatever on, okay. on the cliffs. Okay, thank you. So that. What do you intend to do about it? Or whether all. I think I'd take engineering advice. Uh, I think it is an engineering problem and an engineering solution is required in terms of coastal erosion in the Kirk Michael area especially. Duncan? Uh, I think I would support the idea of looking at natural solutions as well, but we are losing coast and places like Kirk Michael, people want their houses to be protected. Uh, Tim Johnson, can we turn back nature? No, you can't, but uh, you, can, you can help manage the situation, you can help mitigate and as I think Julian's right. I think it's, it's also talking to the people in the area and listening, and I think that doesn't happen. People who know that the land, the lay of the land, they know where the water goes, they know where the culverts go. These things are matter as well, because it's not just about coastal erosion, it's actually, it's actually the drainage is causing big problems as well. I know there's funding being put in place, um, talked about for, for flood defences for the island as a whole, uh, and I would want and urge that that is directed at, at places like Kirk Michael where you know, there are serious issues. Tim Baker. Yeah, it's already uh, in hand in terms of uh, protecting the key risk area. Of are the things Kirk getting Michael worse? Coastal. How much worse are they getting in there? Kirk Michael is suffering quite significantly in terms of uh, annual loss of, loss of land. And because of that, we've accelerated uh, the priority of Kirk Michael. It's now been elevated into the high priority areas along with other parts of the island. There's some rock revetment schemes, uh, de detailed design that was funded in the, in the last budget. Uh, that's underway at the moment and uh, we're, we're committed to... Uh, Madeline Westall. I was just going to say the same. Um, rock revet revetment schemes are the, going to be the key way at least to What's a rock avoid... What, what is that? It's putting large boulders down. Big boulders. Because it takes out the energy... It doesn't look very nice, does it? It, it's, it saves the land. Right, it slows the rate of erosion and, right. yeah... <clears throat> rock revetment scheme um, just to take out the, the pounding of the waves. Oh, for the a cannon. Well, the fact is this has been going on for hundreds of years, and if you measure it consistently across that period, particularly around the critical point, Kurt Michael, where millions of pounds and assets of people's property is at threat at the moment, you'll find that rate of uh, increase of, of erosion is about roughly about a metre a year. So it is significant, it is serious, and I'm afraid the only solution at the moment available for that type of protection is a hard-engineered one. That's why we've uh, got the uh, design and drawings underway and very much uh, trusting that that will Have form you had a letters about part this? of the next capital programme. You had letters about this? Have you had constituents well, come to you? Of course, we've been working on this for, for, for decades because you, know, you can see the damage that has been done, which does vary, albeit from winter to winter, but consistently over time it's averaging at about a metre uh, a year and it's getting closer and closer to uh, significant habitation. Okay, Sosten Basugu? Yeah, I believe that the origin of the coast is a very serious issue, but uh, it must not be done at the expense of uh, um, the constituent real needs. There has to be a balance, when we, especially cost-wise. Okay, another question, please. We've got your name, sir, is? Is Peter Lillywhite. Okay, and your question? Uh, there are two things, well, maybe three, that I would like to ask. One is, um, we love the Isle of Man, uh, my wife and I, and we've been here for uh, nine years. Um, we've built a nature reserve. But I believe that the legal system is broken, and nobody's mentioned that. What's your question, sir? I want to ask people what they think about the adequacy 
the legal system. Okay, and briefly, what are your other two questions? You said there were three. One is the building industry, and the other is not relevant maybe to other men, but I believe population control is the biggest problem on the planet. Okay, let's go to the legal system. Tim Johnston, any, uh, you don't have to give a, a comprehensive answer? You're not going to get one, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, I, Do you, you see know. any glaring um, inconsistencies or inadequacies in the legal system? Well, I'm not uh, standing, sitting here now, I can't answer that. But what I would say is, obviously, if elected, um, I'd want to understand, have conversations with constituents if there are issues, try and, t try and understand it and, and, and try and find out what, what, the, what the issues are. Duncan Livingston. I think everybody has heard stories of legal inequalities. Uh, it's not just here, it's, it's across the world. We, we are luckier than lots of places. I'm sure it could be improved. Uh, I would like to be in a position where I could try and improve. You don't it. have to uh, comment on this, but is the Isle of Man better served by a Manx or an off-island chief constable? <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I think off-island is better. Okay, Paul Weatherall, the legal system. Right, I, I think one of the issues is uh, the cost of getting access to legal aid. Um, so I think that's one of the major factors in fairness in uh, um, justice on the island. Africana? A significant room for improvement. There's just been a, quite a, a lengthy report undertaken by Jane Paul Wilson, member of the Legislative Council. But the, the critical factor and, the, and, the, and one of the big issues here is when things go wrong, when people are not getting proper legal service or are being ill-advised, there is very little recourse, independent recourse, to have a proper judgment made to resolve that and to take a proper view as to whether or not advocates have given proper advice in line with their professional standards. And, and that's a glaring problem and it continues to be a problem and it needs resolution. So, Stan? Uh, the uh, legal system, especially with regards to crime, I believe it must be dealt with fairly. Uh, I think that if I'm elected, I will advocate the fact that it's important that the sentencing uh, fits the crime. In, in what way? What, uh, that means, uh, for example, if I take an example, uh, somebody uh, who uh, steals something in the shop, uh, or somebody uh, who has maybe raped uh, a woman, um, somebody may be uh, sentenced for maybe, uh, we can, shall say, uh, uh, a few months, and then is out, uh, while the <coughs> other one is sentenced for uh, maybe five years. So they has to be uh, uh, adequately assessed. Tim Baker. Yeah, I mean, at a high level, it's fund fundamental, you've got to have a good justice system on, on an island, otherwise confidence in the island as a jurisdiction is, is completely undermined. Without going into the detail of, of Mr. Lillewright's particular situation, there needs to be uh, mechanisms for redress for him. And there's the Justice Select Committee, which is now part of the scrutiny uh, set up of Timwald and, and very much would encourage that route for uh, the particular issue. Adeline Westall. I think legal aid has to be made available to everybody. And I think it's been fairly stagnant for the last decade in terms of... Well, the advocates would agree with you. Yeah, they haven't had an increase either for their legal aid, for giving legal aid. But it's more of the fact that people should be able to access legal aid if they're entitled to it. May I also say that in terms of nature reserves, we need a, a strengthening uh, of uh, designation in terms of SSSIs, sites of special scientific interest, so that places like uh, Jerby Airfield uh, cannot be... Um, inadvertently built over and we lose species which we know are in decline we have to protect habitats on our biosphere okay our next question your name is andrew roberts and your question um bearing in mind that the last person to win the um, 
MLC's election in Timwold uh, stated after their election, about two days before we went into lockdown, that their priority was uh, some kind of media investment. Uh, how do you feel about the way we appoint and elect or carry on with MLCs? Uh, Tim Baker. Well, we've, we've changed it quite significantly in the last five years, and I think it, there's, still, there's still a fair degree of dissatisfaction with, uh, with, with, with what we've got. Um, we've now got uh, MLCs now standing for keys, which is, a, which is a, quite a turnaround. Whilst remaining MLCs? Whilst remaining MLCs. I mean, that's obviously, they haven't done anything wrong there, but um, it, may, it doesn't quite feel right to me. To, you feel uneasy about that? Yeah, I do. <clears throat> I think because if they don't get re-elected, they're then just going to go back in as, as, as an MLC and, and carry on as if nothing had happened, whereas uh, other MLCs have, have stood down uh, to fight the constituency, and I, I think that was the right thing uh, to, 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 to be done. Um, I think we can keep on talking about the structure of, of, of MLCs and how many MHKs there should be, etc., etc. But for me, it's about what's going to deliver the best outcomes for the people of this island. Alfred Cannon. Yeah, there's been a significant blurring of the lines of what the role of the MLCs actually are, which is to provide scrutiny when it comes to legislation. And that distinction has been significantly blurred as they've continued to persist in wanting to, to carry on forming and shaping policy without the public mandate to do so. The issue really revolves around, do you need nine full-time members of the Legislative Council? Lord Lisvain suggested that was parred down and that uh, and the individuals went in on a day rate to scrutinise legislation. That is my preferred stance. That's where the position should be. And the full-time po politics and policy should be left to the members of the House of Keys. Tim, uh, Paul Wetherill. Yeah, I think we need to review the need for the Legislative Council in the first place. In principle, in we, principle need, we need yeah. a Legco there, we, don't we? We need to review um, whether we need it, and, all, and if we do need it, then we need to review its purpose. Uh, but if we do have Legislative Councillors, they should definitely be directly elected by the public. Duncan? Yes, I would say the same as Paul. I think it should be election by the public to the MLCs. I also think there are too many MHKs and too many MLCs, and I would support a reduction I know it's uh, Turkey's voting for Christmas, and I might be a lone voice, <laughs> but I definitely think that we should be looking to reduce the Have number. you heard that from constituents, from voters? Uh, I've had conversations with people previously uh, and on the doorstep about it, yes, and people know my views. Tim Johnson. I think the key is their, their job description, which is scrutiny, and that's, that's all it should be. And as long as that's in place, I don't think they should be elected. I think if, if they're doing that job, that's fine. And the, the, the key thing here is that is primacy is, is the keys. And that's always the case. The keys will always have the final say. And that is the right way around. That's the democratic way. And as long as that stays, that's the right structure. Sosten Basuku. Yeah, in my view, in my view there, there must be a level of uh, account accountability. Uh, but the bottom line is um, the voice of the people, the voice of the constituent must be heard. Tim Baker, we're back with you again. Next question. And your name is? Katrina Livingstone. And your question? Um, I'd like to know people's position on how effective current sentencing is for drug abuse crimes and uh, legalization of cannabis. Okay, when you say drug abuse crimes, people... Well, people are um, arrested for drugs and they go to prison and they come out and they do drugs again and they go back to prison and it seems like an awful waste of time. Uh, do they have any ideas for a more effective way of tackling, especially with young people? Okay. whose lives are wasted. Okay, well, could be here all night doing this, but try and keep it brief, Tim Baker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a huge issue that's facing us. Um, I would be very much guided by the views of the, of the uh, 
Chief of Police, Chief Constable, and, uh, and also in terms of the other aspect of uh, Ms Livingstone's question around the public health aspects. But uh, we, we need to protect the Isle of Man and we, we need to make sure that we are not opening ourselves up opening Pandora's box, but what we've got at the moment is not working. Uh, Madeline, um, uh, people, and people will be listening to us around the world, live, all over the world, and they think, the Isle of Man, drugs, it just doesn't sit right. Uh, have we got this far? And what, um, what's your answer to the question? Education, education, and more education. Um, simply get the young ones, don't hold back, tell them exactly what drugs do to them, and I include in that legal drugs such as alcohol, and just let them be educated. Those that do take the wrong path tend to be young, young adults, and they will because they're at the risk-taking time of life. And it's, you're quite right. Sending them to prison is often counterproductive, but it's not counterproductive to um, help them get back on the right track. And Alfred Cannon. Community. Well, I think re rehabilitation is, is the key here, particularly for first-time offenders who are going... Um, to prison. I think we've lost a lot of potentially of the ethos that we used to have um, with, with prisoners in terms of giving them, them opportunities. I know within the prison people are being given educational opportunities, but it used to be the case that prisoners were brought out, were, were given jobs to do around the island. Um, those types of work schemes where they were and, and received a small, very small uh, income would help in, in the rehabilitation. Does and I think we let, need to be less circumspect about that and look to be a bit more positive in terms of um, allowing people to undertake that kind of rehabilitation work because I think it'll have a positive impact on them at, at, at that early stage and to try and prevent reoffending. Where do you stand on the legalisation of cannabis? I think the government is looking at the moment in terms of the medicinal cannabis. We've now got the legislation in place. We've got the GSC looking at, at the regulations around it. I'm very hopeful to see uh, a diversification, industrial diversification, which might also present opportunities for some farmland or certainly some farm and industrial areas um, to, to carefully and in a controlled way grow the medicinal cannabis. And I think we should take it one step at a time. I think we should get that project underway. Uh, Tim Johnson. I think there's a danger of making sure that um, we separate rehabilitation, which is re really important. Just because we're maybe failing the, our children in, in prison doesn't mean we should, le should legalise cannabis. I think, you know, I think it's a huge step. I, I agree with the idea that you know, we, we, we've got new legislation in on, on, on cannabis oil export as, as, a, as, a, as an industry, and that's very positive. As Alf said, we're talking about look, looking at medicinal cannabis, and that's, again, a positive thing. But to go from that to suddenly say that step to suddenly say, well, let's just illegalise all of it, yes. that is not something I, could, I would support What about support the split between stage. medicinal and recreational? Well, as I say... Having, having proper legislation in place for medicinal cannabis, understanding that, having that conversation, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's something I would support. But going from that to fully legalising is, is, to me, a very too big a step without, without having a much bigger consultation about what the impacts of that would be on society yeah, as Duncan whole. Livingstone. Uh, I support legalising cannabis. Uh, medicinal I, or recreational? Recreational and medicinal. I also think that we should be... You'd be happy for people to spliff up. I think that we should also be decriminalising all drug use for users. Yeah. I think what we should be doing, though, is by, by doing that, we can make revenue from it. We can grow a quality product so that we know that the product that people are using is not cut with PCP or something else. And also, um, it, it needs to be treated as a welfare issue. 
But as a traffic, what, what, as a traffic yeah. officer, how would you feel about people driving around the island basically under the influence of potentially hard there, drugs? There are tests out, and the legalizing alcohol is legal. People drink and drive. It's not the fact that alcohol is legal is why people drink okay. and drive. That's okay. And Paul Weatherall. Yeah, well, the, the abuse of drugs and alcohol um, is a mental health issue, I think. Um, I think we should be reviewing the Misuse of Drugs Act 1990 over the next administration. Uh, go out to public consultation. And I, like Duncan, I support uh, legalizing cannabis. I'm not sure I'd go as far as decriminalizing all drugs, but Portugal has and Oregon in the United States have. Jurisdictions all around the world are changing their views. The war on drugs has failed. Uh, I think we need to move with the times and okay. get to grips so with it. Yeah, prison is not necessarily the answer. So I will push for a program, a scheme, to try to integrate uh, our young people into our society and then get the social workers to support and help them. Okay, and Beth, oh, it's Vivian Quain. Hello, Vivian. Hello. Andy. What's your question? Um, we've got all these large d developments around the island. You were talking before about um, heat and electricity and everything. Why is there not some way of saying they should either have solar panels or underground heating when they're building the estates? Paul Weatherall. I didn't quite catch the question, but if I think it's to referring build, to solar we, panels. If we're going to build new houses, why don't we make them eco-friendly yep. and uh, put well, solar panels yeah, on I the ground? I think planning regulations, building regulations are slowly changing and not quickly enough. And I think, yeah, that certainly needs to be brought in. Oh, but don't you find that's where the public don't quite get it? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Isle of Man can create its own laws. We can, we can change the laws, and if suddenly if, if Tinwald wanted to get it into its head to, to make solar panels mandatory, they could do it. They could do it, yeah, and why not? And the public will probably follow and do it. If you, make, if you, uh, if you put a, a discount on them or a tax this break is for, or whatever. This is for new housing, but the yeah. problem we have is that we've got all of the housing that we're all living in um, unconverted, and what are we going to do about that? That's a much bigger issue, I think. Okay, Madeline? I want to see solar fields. Um, a patch of, uh, of land the size of a football pitch uh, with solar panels will generate enough electricity to power 100 homes. So if you couple that with giving people grants to put solar panels on their, their own homes, on the roofs, and you don't leave anybody out okay. by making them pay large amounts for this, it's a winner. Jim Baker. Yeah, I mean, building regs have been, have been upgraded and they're going to continue to be upgraded as we journey towards more carbon uh, neutral housing. Um, this is all part of the whole debate around uh, power generation and uh, okay. we need that holistic holistic approach in the clear strategic South plan. Uh, yes, I will support solar panel as long as, long as uh, the, the scheme is followed by with a scheme that is affordable for uh, every, res every resident. Okay, and uh, Alfred Cannon. Well, it goes back to the whole climate change program, uh, Andy, and the need to have a proper costed uh, roadmap. These potentially are quick wins, um, but they also, the impact in terms of the costs of those, how they are paid for, and if they're going to be subsidised by, by the taxpayer, in what circumstances they're going to be subsidised, needs to be thought through. Because if we don't put together, this is absolutely critical about the whole climate change programme, if we don't put together a roadmap for every, that everybody can understand in terms of the phases and where public money is going to be invested and in what capacity we're going to lose the public on this journey and it's important that everybody is engaged and comes with us on it. Okay, now we've come to the point in the evening where each candidate will have one minute to tell you why you should vote for them to be one of the two MHKs for Air and Michael. And first, Sosten Basugu. Yes, 
So my name is uh, Dr. Sos um, Busugu. I am coming. I am uh, coming with a new approach. That is, um, no one is left behind, and no issue is discarded. That's the new approach I am bringing into monks' political representation. Voila. Tim Baker. Yeah, it's vital that the people of the Isle of Man make the right choices on the 23rd of September. We've got some difficult challenges ahead of us as we build back from COVID and we forge a new economic future in a changed international environment. I've demonstrated over the last five years the track record and shown what I can do on the back of my 25 years of business experience. I've got a very wide spread of experience right across government and I've stepped up and taken on the tough stuff, stepping in where people may have stepped back due to political risk. We need people who roll the sleeves up and get things done. I'll hit the ground running. I'm a team player. I'm focused on improving outcomes for the people of the Isle of Man. I will put the Isle of Man first and I will not let you down. Alfred Cannon. The issues facing the island are many and complex. From COVID to climate change, from housing to hospitals, we need a refreshed and renewed government to deliver solutions and better outcomes for the island. I have a five-year track record of delivery with the nation's finances, delivery uh, that meant consistently budgets that uh, put people first by raising personal allowances, raising child benefit, bringing about targeted investment into public services, and much more, including purchasing the steam packet. 18 months ago, I delivered a full package of support and state intervention to combat the COVID crisis. These unique packages that were delivered were based around salary support, business support schemes, and the Manx Earnings Replacement Allowance. And these have helped protect and support thousands of jobs, families, and businesses across the island. I have the ability and experience to tackle the big issues. I ask you to vote Canon for a secure and sustainable future for our island home. Uh, Philip Corkill is standing, but has chosen not to take part in tonight's uh, debate. So, alphabetically, Tim Johnston. Since early June, I have travelled around Aaron Michael to talk to as many of you as I can and listen to your feedback and concerns. In an isolated constituency like Aaron Michael, you want a visible, accountable MHK working hard for you. I want to do my part in ensuring that government works for you, not for itself. A government that regains your trust by being open, transparent and accountable. The new administration must provide clear political leadership and set out a comprehensive joined-up economic plan as soon as possible to take us towards a post-COVID recovery and face the big issues like housing, health and infrastructure. I will question and scrutinise on your behalf and I, will, and I will not forget my responsibilities to you as your MHK. Duncan Livingston. I like to think that I have common sense. I am honest, I'm open, I listen to what people say. I care passionately about the Isle of Man and the north of the island in particular. Uh, I, if you vote for me, I will do the best that I can. I will listen to what you have to say and I will take advice where I need to take advice. What I would say though is please use your vote. Don't waste it. Make sure you vote for the candidate who you think is going to do the best for the Isle of Man. Thank you. Paul Weatherall. I've got the energy and the commitment to work in your best interests alongside whoever else is elected with me if I'm successful on September the 23rd. I hope you will read my manifesto. It's got a whole raft of policy discussions uh, and ideas in, and then you will consider me to give me one of your votes. Uh, together, I really believe we can make a difference in Aaron Michael. Thank you. Madeline Westall. Um, I, want, I want to stand because I want to be as a, an MHK who acts to scrutinise um, 
government bills and government spending and stop the waste that is going on in um, wasting taxpayers' money. I believe I'm the right person because I have experience. I have been a local commissioner both in Mackled and now in Lazare. I'm committed to the island, I'm committed to rural life, I'm committed to speaking up for the people of Air and Michael. And whether it be housing or not being able to get access to a GP, not being able to get hold of a bus at any time of day, those are the things that are important <coughs> and I want to make sure that this island moves forward sustainably and also economically, powerfully into the the next decade. Uh, ladies you. and gentlemen, you've heard the candidates for Aaron Michael. I just want to remind you uh, that there are what used to be called uh, requisition meetings, but now organised by the government. Uh, last night, of course, there was one at Andrews Primary School. Next Tuesday, the 7th, it's at Jerby, Jerby Primary School. Thursday, the 9th, at Balaf Parish Hall. Wednesday, the 13th, at Sulby Primary School. On Thursday the 16th, it's at Michael Primary School, and Monday the 20th of September, the Bride Methodist Church Hall uh, holding those meetings. So I urge you to go to those to engage with your prospective MHKs and to quiz them about what it is that you want from them and how they can connect with you. Uh, because the Isle of Man, well, it's been said tonight, maybe the Isle of Man has too much politics, too many politicians, but I don't see any slackening off in attention for our Keys general election, which will be three weeks tonight. Now, uh, out, we're going to be out and about fairly shortly, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because Manx Radio, all next week, for the next two weeks, we're going to be live uh, for Douglas East next Monday. We'll be at Jack's Bar and Steakhouse on Tuesday for Douglas North at UCM on Homefield Road, for Douglas South on the 8th at the Pinewood Community Hub in Paul Rose, on the 9th for Garth, we'll be at the Shore in Laxey, uh, Friday the 10th, a week tomorrow, uh, for um, uh, Glen Faber and Peel at Peel Golf Club. Monday the 13th at the Mitre in Ramsey with the, the many candidates for Ramsey. Uh, on the 15th will be at Douglas Rugby Club for Middle. And then on the 16th at Ocean Views in Onken Park for Onken. Monday the 20th will be at the Bay in Port Aaron for Russian. And finally on the 21st, two days before the election, will be at Seven Kingdoms for Douglas Central. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been uh, a pleasure to be with you tonight. I want to thank everybody who's been with us. Uh, Beth Espy is with me. Uh, Beth, what do you think of tonight's performance? I think it just shows how much people really care about their constituency. We've got a, a room full of people here. I know we didn't get to everybody's questions, but everybody really seems to have a focus on this election. I know it's been mentioned about people using their votes. Obviously, today was the last day to register to vote. So... I think too late now if you haven't done it. It is too late. But um, what we haven't talked about is uh, young voters. And I don't know whether um, any of the candidates have been speaking to the young voters on the doorstep. There's a real feeling that young voters hold the key in many of these constituencies and in some places really can change the outcome. Well, it will be interesting to see, you know, we take the man in line out to the schools um, and all. If anybody wants a, a bit of a laugh, but it is serious in the end, go to manxradio.com and look when we sent Elliot Turner out to Strand Street on a rainy Friday night, what the, the people on Strand Street thought of politicians and whether they thought they were going to vote. Now, you could say that's, that's funny, but everybody has to vote because democracy is like a machine. It's like a muscle. And we all know your personal trainers, and I know Ben Sowery, the guy in charge of the Ginger Hall, has got a very uh, strict personal trainer, I can tell by the shape of, 
uh, of them. <laughs> any, um, any personal trainer will say, you use a muscle or you lose it. All I'll say to you is, democracy is a muscle. And unless we use it and unless we participate, you will not get the most out of it. And if you don't vote, you can't moan. And I'll be saying that to everyone on the man in line. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank the candidates for coming here tonight. For some, it's been hell on earth. Others know exactly what they're doing. But we really appreciate your time here tonight at Ginger Hall in Sulby.